1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. On July 26, 2015, Cody Turner came home to his father's house in Yakima, Washington to change his clothes.
2: He told his father that he'd see him tomorrow and walked out the door. Cody was never heard from again. At the same time,
1: other young men began disappearing from the same area after a series of bizarre murders. Could all of these cases be connected? Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim, here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today?
2: I am doing so well, Tim. Honestly, it would be illegal if I was doing any better. How are you? <laughs> well, don't break the law. If you know done. me. I am a law-abiding <laughs> citizen.
1: Well, I am doing all right, uh, Lance. And uh, in this episode, we are speaking with our friend, our coworker Jennifer Amell, of Private Investigations for the Missing and crawlspace Media, to discuss the disappearance of
2: Cody Henry Turner. Cody Henry Turner has been missing since July twenty sixth of two thousand and fifteen from Yakima, Washington. He is a white male, twenty four years old, five foot five, five foot seven. 150 to 170 pounds. And Tim, once again, we were telling the story of a missing individual who really had the deck stacked against him early on in life. His sister tragically died. His mother couldn't handle the grief and turned to drugs. He tried his best to stay away from drugs. He also had a child at a very young age and unfortunately has not been seen in over six years. And I think it's really important for us to be telling these stories and to raise awareness of these people who go missing and the communities from which they go missing because we shouldn't look at these types of individuals and the circumstances they're in and judge them and then not talk about it.
1: And thanks to Shana Wilinski for the fantastic research into Cody Henry Turner's disappearance. And of course this case was researched by the team at Private Investigations for the Missing. It is a fantastic nonprofit. You can donate there if you'd like. Find out what they're up to at investigationsforthemissing.org.
2: And there's also information on Cody's disappearance at charlieproject.org. You can search Cody Henry Turner. And the investigative agency is the Yakima Police Department. You can reach them at 509-575-6200. And one more quick bit of news before we get to the interview. If anybody is in town, in Worcester, in Wormtown, on Saturday, November 13th, the show Death by Incarceration, hosted by Suave Gonzalez and Kevin McCracken, that's a show that's on our Crawl Space Media Network, they will be performing live, live at the Brick Box Theater in Worcester. Tickets are available via the link in the show notes. You can also check them out on their social media, they'll be posting about that with the link to the ticket sales. Their Twitter is DB Incarceration, so they will uh, have that link in their Twitter and on their Instagram. Again, that's Saturday, November 13th, with special guest Nikki Bell from the Lyft organization right there in the heart of Worcester, Massachusetts. Welcome back to the show. How's it going today, Jen?
0: Going very well. How are you guys?
2: Doing pretty well and actually very impressed with the amount of work that's been going on with private investigations for the missing in the research department, which you have had quite a hand assembling and, I guess, vetting out the people who have come our way who want to do uh, research into these missing person uh, stories. And today we're talking about a young man named Cody Henry Turner How did this one come to you? How did this one come to private investigations for the missing?
0: Again, this case was submitted by a family member to private investigations for the missing through email. And our good friend and veteran researcher by this point, Shana Walensky, completed this research.
1: Make sure to check out everything that private investigations for the missing is doing at investigationsforthemissing.org. And this missing person's case is Cody Henry Turner. Cody Henry Turner has been missing since July 26th, 2015 from Yakima, Washington.
2: He is a 24-year-old Caucasian male with sandy brown hair and green eyes. He would be 30 years old today. His build is 5'5 to 5'7, between 150 and 170 pounds. His hair is normally short, and he keeps it neatly trimmed. He may have a mustache, and he may have a 2-inch goatee
1: is a scar on his left wrist and one on his abdomen his ears and his tongue are pierced but he had stopped wearing earrings and his tongue ring prior to his disappearance and he had some tattoos the name natalie with flames and barbed wire on his right bicep and that's spelt n-a-t-i-l-i-e three skulls with swords going through them on his left bicep and a tribal stamp on the inside of his upper left arm
2: his foot had been previously fractured he smokes cigarettes He was last seen wearing possibly a green jacket, a black t-shirt with Metallica in white letters on the front. He was wearing jeans and gray Nike or Adidas sneakers.
1: And Cody's mother, Michelle Jo, has a Facebook page dedicated to raising awareness to help find her missing son. And the page is called Find Cody Turner.
0: Yeah, she posts a lot about her son and his life and some of her fond memories of him. Um, It seems like she loves and misses her son desperately, um, but she admits that He didn't have the easiest time growing up. Friends remember Cody as an amazing person and a really great friend. He has two brothers and a sister. And unfortunately, his sister tragically passed away in 2004 from post-surgical blood clots when she was only 12 years old.
2: And Cody's mom, Michelle, admits that the pain of losing her daughter led her to self-medicate and... You know, that leads to ultimately some sort of addiction in her life. She ended up becoming addicted to meth. And before the tragedy of her daughter, Michelle was able to provide a stable and loving home for her four children. But after the addiction to meth, that appears to have fallen apart.
1: And during the worst of her addiction, she left her boys with their grandparents because she felt they would be better off without her in their lives. And it was during this time that Cody told her, Mom, you might have lost your only daughter, but we lost our only sister and we have more or less lost our mom too because you are not there for us like you used to be.
0: Michelle says that of all of her children, Cody was the most vocal about his anger regarding her addiction. But despite his anger, Cody also tried to be supportive for his mother during her time in rehab.
2: I don't know if we are sure exactly how old Cody was when he said that to his mom, but this is a quote from her and he definitely is very young. I mean, we don't know the exact age, but he's very young when he says this to his mother. So you can only imagine the circumstances that had to exist for someone that young to say that to their mother.
0: Yeah. And in some respects, it requires a bit of bravery to say that to a parent. And he seems like a kid who just wanted like a normal stable family for himself and his siblings.
2: And according to Michelle, Cody was the most vocal about his anger regarding her addiction. And in addition to that, he he was supportive. I'm just impressed by how this kid seems to have a good head on his shoulders. He was uh, very supportive towards his mother during her time in rehab.
0: Yeah, and it takes a lot of strength on her part to recognize that she did have a problem and try to seek help for it. Unfortunately, these things tend to be kind of cyclical. If um, you have a family member stuck in addiction, you are that much more likely to become addicted yourself. So I think during his teenage years, Cody um, seems to have experimented with drugs, but he swore he would never touch meth after seeing what it did to his mother.
1: And Cody stayed true to his word for a long time. But unfortunately, around 2014, Cody did try meth and very quickly became addicted. And his mother noticed the change in him immediately and tried to help him, but he was too lost in his addiction at that point to want her help.
2: And it was around this time, he was only 17 when his daughter Natalie was born and he dropped out of school and started working to support her, but always regretted not getting that high school diploma. That is so young to have a child, to to be in a relationship, and you are now a father.
0: It totally is, but... In some cases, it's like kind of a reality check for a lot of people. And that's exactly what it was for Cody. In 2012, at the age of 21, Cody went back to school to earn his diploma and completed a year's worth of work in four months. And Michelle says that earning his diploma and the birth of his daughter were Cody's proudest moments. She says she's incredibly proud of his determination and perseverance. But unfortunately, sometimes addiction can run in families and it becomes cyclical. On top of that, it seems that Cody was experiencing a little bit of depression and decided to self-medicate and he actually did end up turning to meth in 2014.
2: So it does seem like while he did have a good head on his shoulders and he was trying to clean himself up and I guess work himself out of these circumstances, especially for the good of his daughter, like you said, that grip of drugs and the environment just kind of sucked him in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're in pain mentally you're gonna you're gonna turn to many things that aren't necessarily healthy but though his mother says he was depressed she doesn't think he was actually suicidal
2: and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors
1: thanks to our sponsors and now we're back to the program And so now we get into the circumstances of Cody's disappearance, and he was last seen at the home he shared with his father and grandmother in Yakima, Washington, on July 26, 2015 at 9 p.m.
0: He had been out for most of the day and came back home to eat, shower, and change his clothes. When he left the house, he told his family he would see them tomorrow, and he was never heard from again.
2: And through the research, has anyone said what he was doing? Was he out at work or was he out with friends most of the day?
0: We don't really have so much information about Cody's movements that day. We know July 26th was a Sunday, so he wouldn't necessarily have been at work. I mean, he could have had a job that you did work on the weekends, um, but he also could have been hanging out, you know, going about town, doing errands, that sort of thing. He didn't tell his family where he was going that night. It seemed like a just one of those moments that. Like, your, your, your kid breezes in and breezes out, and you don't really think to ask them what they're doing. And this just happened to be the night that he disappeared.
2: Well, it does seem like he planned on staying out for the night if they remember him saying he would see them tomorrow. Right. But he was never heard from again. And since July 28th, which was two days after he left that house, his phone has gone straight to voicemail. So it hasn't even rang, apparently.
1: And that's apparently very uncharacteristic for Cody to leave his house and to never get in touch with his family. He loved his young daughter and was close with his parents. And his mom admits that she and Cody had a somewhat difficult relationship, but that there was a lot of love in their family, as well as that they often moved on from their arguments quickly. And his family says he rarely even spent the night away from home. His family and the authorities believe Cody was met with foul play. His mother believes he is no longer
2: alive. And we know that the family has heard countless stories and rumors, but they really desperately want to know where their son is and what actually happened to him. I mean, you you need to know this. And the drug use aside, we hear this all the time with the these missing persons. It doesn't really matter when you're talking about the family and you're talking about the mother who needs to know and have some sort of closure. And Michelle says that as difficult as her daughter's death was, this is harder. And it's understandable because at least she knows what happened to her daughter and she can have that closure. She doesn't know what happened to Cody.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is something we hear a lot from family members of missing people. Um, There's been some of those who, uh, who have experienced the death of loved ones before, but in a way that you you know what happened to them and you can like kind of gain that closure. Um, I think when a, when a person goes missing, at least this is what's been described to us is there's this like unceasing hope, like you can't put it to bed really. Like even if you know in your heart that your loved one is probably not alive anymore, you can't help that little glimmer of hope. And I imagine that drives you insane over time.
1: And Cody's disappearance is often linked in various articles to two other men who disappeared from the Yakima region right around that same time.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting because when you look into Cody's disappearance, you find out about these other men. You find out about the 31-year-old Anthony Hornbeck who moved to Yakima in the summer of 2015. He moved there for a job, and on July 31st, which is just a few days after Cody's disappearance, he's reported missing after not showing up for that work. And some
1: reports indicate that Anthony had been seen two days after he went missing as he was helping a friend move. But I guess that's not confirmed. And in 2016, his family received word that Anthony was spotted living amongst the homeless population in Portland, Oregon.
0: Yeah, and it was uh, written on the Facebook page for Anthony Hornbeck by his mother that the family was notified that Anthony willingly walked away from his life in Yakima and that he wished to remain disconnected from his family. And police determined that Anthony's case had nothing to do with Cody's disappearance. I know it seems a a bit tangential to mention Anthony's case here, but you often see his name uh, connected with Cody's, so we just wanted to kind of cover that here.
1: And there was another missing person that uh, happened before Cody went missing. On July 10th, Chad Nathan Stotes Gomez was reported missing, and he was 36 years old at the time he went missing. He's a Hispanic male, about 5'9", between 180 and 190 pounds, who lived a transient lifestyle and was known to frequent homeless camps in the Yakima area, though he always maintained contact with his family.
0: Yeah, this is a really interesting connection to Cody's case, and the the tale gets a little bit confusing, but bear with us. On the day Chad disappeared, an unnamed woman was shot at a homeless camp south of Harlan Landing between Yakima and Silla, Washington. This victim actually survived, but because she's unnamed in any of the articles that we came across for this story, we're thinking that she might have been afraid for her life, that if she came forward with any kind of accusations or who shot her that she might be retaliated against. However, Chad Stotes Gomez's DNA was found at the scene of the shooting. Unfortunately, there's no other information regarding this DNA, but it's not known if he is thought to be a suspect or a victim with regards to the shooting.
2: And you said previously that uh, it gets a little confusing and to bear with us. And here's where some more elements come into play. It's reported that the shooting you were talking about is also related to a murder that occurred later that year. And a woman named Norma Emerson was murdered in East Sulla, Washington, which is in Yakima County in a place called Sage trail. And Norma was found on November 11th of 2015 with a gunshot wound to her head. It was evidence of broken glass from a car window that was found at the scene. And that glass was later matched to a vehicle owned by Carlos Navarro, the victim's ex-boyfriend.
0: So we don't know exactly how these two shootings were matched, but Chad, who disappeared the same month as Cody, is related because his DNA was found with the previously murdered women, woman. And this is connected to this next victim, Norma Emerson. So again, kind of uh, web-like And the uh, connections to Cody's case, but we'll continue here.
1: It's possible that Norma may have been killed because she had information about a homicide committed by Carlos Navarro. And strangely, though, Norma was not killed by Carlos himself, but a friend of Carlos's new girlfriend named Raven Cutler. And according to a witness, Raven said she found out that Norma had intentions to tell police that Carlos had been responsible for another homicide, that of Cody Turner.
2: So, Jen, being a part of the research team on this and to make it, I guess, less uh, convoluted in my own head, can you give me an explanation of how the unknown victim of the shooting, that woman, is connected to Norma's murder and how that's connected to Cody?
0: So we have... The shooting of the unnamed woman, she survived. And then we have the shooting and murder of this woman, Norma. In the shooting of the unnamed woman, the guy, Chad, his DNA is found at the scene of the unnamed woman's shooting. He disappeared around the same time, like just before Cody disappeared. And then as we move on to the shooting of Norma, Norma had information that Carlos the guy who was friends with Raven Cutler, she had information that Carlos was actually involved in the murder of Cody Turner.
2: And we don't know exactly what forensic evidence, if any, whether it was ballistics or DNA, connects those two, but something connects those two?
0: Yeah, yeah. This guy, Carlos Navarro, kind of connects the two.
2: So according to a witness, Raven who was Carlos's new girlfriend, said she found out that Norma had intentions to tell police that Carlos had been responsible for Cody's murder. And that's why she took Norma out to Sage Trail and shot her three times. We know this because Raven Cutler pled guilty and she's currently serving a 30-year prison sentence. And Raven Cutler
1: reportedly told Cody's mother in a Facebook message that she had seen Cody and Chad Stotes Gomez together in downtown Yakima. But none of the sources are clear about when this sighting was.
0: So there's a lot of local rumors that the two men's disappearances are connected because it was so close in time, and because we have this like weird um, relationship between this guy, Carlos Navarro.
2: And is it true that Michelle had previously lived in the same trailer park as Chad Stotes Gomez, and that she actually was friendly with him? That they had a uh, some, I guess, friendly relationship.
0: Uh, yes, that's that's uh, precisely what Michelle said. That they um, they did come into contact with one another. They lived close by, so I definitely believe that they were seen together somewhere in downtown Yakima.
2: So, if that is the case, and Cody would have known Chad from that time, but Michelle isn't aware of any more recent contact between the two men other than just the connection that they had at that trailer park.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Though law enforcement believes that Chad's disappearance is not connected to Cody's, there is a lot of circumstantial evidence linking the two men.
0: So if Norma was murdered because she knew Carlos killed Cody, which is somehow linked to Chad's murder, either by the weapon used or some other evidence, then Cody and Chad's disappearances are linked. But we just don't have enough information to like, say for sure.
1: Wow and you know if that sounds like a lot of disappearances or, or craziness in, in one place, I mean that's you, there is. Um, we actually looked it up on murderdata.org. You can check out clusters of uh, homicides by county and Yakima is on there with absolutely uh, being a cluster there.
0: Yeah, I think like more generally the Pacific Northwest is like has a lot of missing persons cases. I mean a lot of the time that's attributed to like people getting lost and like the 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 old forests there deep and expansive uh wild out there but this doesn't seem like a case where cody got lost in the wilderness this seems like a case of foul play
2: and from what we know his phone has gone straight to voicemail it's been several years has there been any other sightings has there been any other evidence that you know has even come to light that could be his
0: I don't think so. I think this case has gone cold. There seems to be like more information there. Like they have a kind of a crime scene where his DNA was found. So maybe they're working that angle and potentially that will lead to some answers for Cody's case.
1: And Michelle has channeled her grief into advocacy, which is very admirable. And she manages the Facebook page, find Cody Turner. And she is also an admin of the Yakima scan missing persons, Facebook page.
2: And that's something that we really like here on the show and and when we work with uh, Private Investigations for the Missing. When someone does try to do something positive from that tragedy, it really speaks to Bruce's mission. Uh, Bruce Maitland, who has taken that uh, tragedy of Brianna being missing and trying to help others uh, by funding private investigations, uh, making sure that information never leaves the spotlight and stories never uh, fall out of that visibility.
1: And during Michelle's efforts, May of 2021 was actually declared Missing and Unidentified Persons Awareness Month in the city of Yakima. And according to NamUs, there are currently 15 missing persons cases in the city of Yakima, which is not huge. Under 100,000 people live in the city of Yakima.
0: And Cody's law requires investigating agencies to submit their missing persons DNA samples to national databases. These submissions are now required when the missing person has not been found within 30 days of the report or any time criminal activity is involved. This is a great idea. I hope every state adopts this.
2: It is a really great idea and it's really refreshing to see uh, Washington State Representative Gina Mossbrucker sponsoring the bill And stating that Michelle's search for her son actually inspired her. So maybe there are other state reps that can take a page out of Gina's book and and do something similar. And Representative Mossbrucker stated, quote, Michelle walked me through the journey from the Yakima area on where the state could have done a better job to help find and continue looking. This bill addresses those ways.
0: That's super inspiring. And I really hope that uh, Washington is followed as an example and what to do um, to help advocate for missing persons. It's definitely kind of a systemic change that we should see across the nation. If you have any information in the disappearance of Cody Turner, you can contact the Yakima City Police Department at 509-575-6200.
2: And be sure to visit the Facebook page that Cody's mom runs. We mentioned it at the top, but it's Facebook Find Cody Turner.